the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me. And I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. And I hope your week went well. You know, it's kind of rough out there. And um, I know that it has a tendency to, I don't know, it just feels very heavy. And so I came across some, some different things that I was researching about growing up because my heart is, is breaking about what's going on in our country. We are really going about this backwards. And instead of helping people grow up and be able to tolerate and manage just getting their feelings hurt or bad behaviors from others, we are instead trying to change the entire external world to make all of us happy. And, you know, I don't know where all the therapists are, but one of the things that we learn in grad school is that children under the age of 6, under the age of 12, we really manage their environment really well. We're very careful what they see, what they hear, people that we bring into their life, places that we take them, because they are really an open book. They, they really have no skills, no boundaries. And so we want to really protect them as they learn to integrate the way that we parent them. And they're able then to go out into the adult world and, and take care of themselves, make good choices, recognize that not everybody is the same as them, you know, these types of things. And so what we're really doing here is we've got it kind of upside down. We've got parents that are afraid of their kids. They want their kids to like them so much they'll do anything they can for them. And this is not helping them to grow up. And so I came across this, it's called Modern Ratio. <clears throat> and it was this great list as I was researching this 
about signs that you may need to grow up, right? So, you know, growing older and growing up, they are very two different things. There's a lot of people that are old that are highly immature. So unfortunately, maturity doesn't necessarily always come with age. Most people can go through their whole life without ever really scratching the surface of what it means to be an adult. And so I know for me that I really recognized in some ways when I started growing up because I really saw things differently. And I was able to tolerate things differently. And I was kind of able to live more in the gray. And see, one of the ways that we really know someone struggles with maturity is they are very black and white in their thinking. And so many of you, if you're Christians, you may say, but there are black and white things. And I completely agree with this. But the bottom line is, excuse me, God really is the only one that has a handle on what is truly white, what is truly black. And we are probably never going to get to the edge of those realms in this lifetime. What we do know is what is right and wrong for the most part. And part of growing up is finding out what is right and what is wrong. And so, and being able to respect it. The hardest part about this is that our culture now used to have a general agreement about what was right and wrong. And that has also kind of become like a snow globe and it's completely shaken up. And we really don't know what our society deems as right and wrong. And so it's quite confusing. And so I want you to think about that many times immature people don't realize they're immature. And that was certainly the case with me when I was growing up. I really thought that I knew a lot more than I did. And I have since apologized often to my parents about how maybe arrogant I was thinking that I knew more than they did. And so I want you to think about that if you don't have someone like that in your life, well, I I suppose the next best thing, right, is really understanding people that do struggle with this. And so here are some warning signs that someone is is highly immature or struggling with being a grown-up. They complain a lot. Now, I understand complaining. I think there's there's some some merit to complaining, but not a lifestyle of complaining. Uh, whining, complaining, commiserating, nothing's going my way, everything should change, nobody likes me, whatever it is that, you know, everything has to be the fairness doctrine. And what I talk to clients about is I say, you know, the fairness doctrine, that is really only for people under the age of about 12. Because that is a time in the life of humans when we are kind of black and white. So we're wanting to teach a very complicated doctrine, all right, to very young people. And so justice is what is the, like, kind of the grandparent or the parent of fairness. So we love fairness, but there's too many complications in the adult world to actually make things fair. We have too many variables all the time. But we can really create a system of justice, and that's what we are striving for. And so when you come across someone or hear yourself that the only way you really know how to relate with people is to complain, then that's maybe a red light that you might want to look at. You might want to say to yourself, huh, don't I have anything else to talk about? So anyone that lives in America, regardless of how crazy it is, like it is now, 
the mere fact that I'm sitting in a radio station, a very nice radio station, I drove myself here, and I'm talking on the station about these things, tells me that I still live in a pretty amazing place. So the second thing that you might see or experience if you're struggling with being a grown-up is that you hate responsibility. And this is typical of teenagers, right? Now, little fifth and sixth graders, they love responsibility because they so much want to grow up. But teenagers, they, they struggle with it many times. So immature people really never want to be on the hook for anything. It's, you know, whether it's what they say, what they do, what they bought, what they were told to do, whatever, it doesn't really matter. They just really do not want to be bound by duties or obligations. And so they don't want to be liable for the well-being of something or someone else either. And they really cannot handle criticism. So please hear me. If, if you think I'm describing you, that does not make you a bad person. It makes you probably a victim of our culture. That one of the things that we know that grows people up is hardship. And if you were born in the 70s, even the 60s, we didn't know a lot of hardship. And this is really hard right now. And so there's a lot that we didn't have to grow up for because our society worked so well. So the third thing that you want to think about is that immature people keep repeating the same mistakes. Why don't they learn, we say to ourselves. So mature people understand that all humans make mistakes and that one big aspect of true maturity is being able to learn from the mistake and do it better next time. So immature people either believe that they don't make mistakes or they refuse to acknowledge their mistakes or they say that somebody else made them do that mistake. And as a result, they really never learn or decide to change their ways. So they live in them and they fall back on this empty phrase, things like, that's just who I am or I can't help it or you're being so hard on me or you, ne- you can't forgive me, or you want me to be perfect. And these, like, you know, real concrete statements are a great way to say, I don't want to take responsibility for that. So another way you can tell that you're dealing with an immature person is they always play the victim. See, an immature person never thinks anything is their fault. And that anything that goes wrong in their life can be blame-shifted, to somebody else, like traffic, or their boss, or their spouse, or society at large, or they had bad parenting, or they don't have enough money, or the world, the way the world is, or God. God is, is a great excuse. And so taken to the extreme, immature people, they can throw temper tantrums. And see, once you've had an, had a, had an adult with a child inside of themselves, so you have a child in an adult body having a temper tantrum, it's quite distressing. I'm sure that you've experienced that. So immature people don't want to leave their comfort zone. So many times you have to come to them. And the other thing that happens is you can't really make changes. They want to kind of do the same thing over and over again. And so they don't necessarily strive to stretch themselves. Because if they're immature, which is little, little people get afraid very easily. And so the clearest path to a stagnant life is to always be seeking comfort. 
And it makes for a very weak person. Now, I'm all for comfort. I think we, sh- we need comfort. That is one of the basic needs that humans have to have. However, if all I do is strive for comfort and pleasure, I become weaker and weaker and weaker, and there won't be enough comfort and pleasure to satisfy me. How about this one? Immature people consistently live beyond their means. So mature people are mindful of finances and really take care to live within those arenas, right? So they don't feel entitled to luxuries and goods or services that they can't afford. So they don't overspend to try to appear as if they are something that they are not. And they make sure that they are not putting other people in a bad position because they don't manage their money well. Immature people have a very difficult time making sacrifices. So they kind of want this, I can do anything I want whenever I want it, and you can't be mad at me about it. So if you are feeling like, oh, man, that's kind of describing me, well, you're in good company. There's a lot of us. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about being a grown-up. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and thank you so much for joining me today. Make sure that you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. Love it when you just give comments and show me that you're looking at some of the things that we're doing, and hopefully we're going to get a lot more out for you since I have finished this last book that I was working on. And I'm hoping that that is going to be really inspiring to you as well. So we are talking about being a grown-up and what that means and how much our culture right now is struggling to have a grown-up mentality. And so we left off this last one talking about you never want to make sacrifices. Really immature people have a very difficult time with sacrifices. See, mature people realize that they have time and that resources are a finite part of life and they can prioritize and they can say no to things and maybe yes to this if we know that we can manage it in the future. And so immature people are kind of unable and unwilling to give anything up. So the next one that we know happens with people that struggle with immaturity is it truly affects identity. And what you'll find is that the older you are and the more immature you are as an older person, the more miserable you're going to be. See, growing up and being a mature person in in an adult world allows you to have a lot more fun and feel a lot better about yourself and enjoy people much more and they enjoy you more because immature people have a tendency to have to bring others down to lift themselves up. I don't know if you've noticed that before, but they might gossip a lot more. They might lie about people. So maturity involves confidence that doesn't depend on what others think about you. The self-assurance comes with maturity. Self-assurance comes that understanding that everyone is equal in dignity and value. They may not be equal 
in strengths and weaknesses. They may not be equal in talents. They may not be equal in intelligence, but they are equal in dignity and value. And so immature people think that life is this big hierarchy. So they're constantly trying to climb the ladder to get higher than the person below them. And maybe they're pushing people down in order to feel like they are higher than someone else. So they have a tendency to bring someone down as an effective way to lift themselves up. Now, of course, we know it doesn't work. It might temporarily work and give you a wonderful feeling. But that feeling is when I is kind of like what I describe to people like cotton candy. And there's a lot of things that look very substantive but end up being like cotton candy. So cotton candy, when it's really dissolved, is, is very small. But when it's originally made, it's huge. And it looks very solid. So many of these feelings that immature people are striving for are similar to cotton candy. That leads us to this next one. They might have a difficult time with social etiquette. See, maturity is understanding that we are social creatures and that it means that socialization is very important. And so it, it means that the one thing to eschew certain social structures or traditions and that it's, it's even acceptable to live as an independent thinker in your own unique way, but it doesn't give you the right to be a jerk. So as a member of society, mature people treat everyone with the same respect and dignity that they expect from others. So we don't treat people based on our assumptions. We don't treat people based on our, our, our current judgments, or we don't treat people based on our preferences. We treat people as humans that are worthy of dignity and respect. And so we don't try to get into this high school way of, of creating all these different little peer groups and, you know, we're better than you guys and we can look down on you guys. It, it's a very momentary victory and it leads to a lot of failure when it comes to the way you relate. So immature people many times uh, don't say what they mean and they don't mean what they say. And that can be highly frustrating if you are an adult trying to have intimacy with someone and you can never get a clear answer. So immature people might say they'll do something. And you may say, okay, I believe it. I believe they're going to do this. And you live by it. But see, someone that's immature, they say a lot of things they're going to do. But over time, you realize that you can't really depend on them because they just say it in the moment because it feels good. And so what happens is they lack integrity. And lacking integrity is an important element of maturity. And it's one that's slowly deteriorating in this day and age. See, the mature person understands that words and actions and beliefs are all intimately related. And that words and actions matter. They mean something. And the immature person says whatever they want to say without even weighing the words, or considering whether or not they're going to walk, at, walk it out. So when we have someone that's highly immature, we really can't believe what they say because they may believe it in that moment, but then the next moment they change their mind and don't want to do it. So they're very run by their feelings. How about this? Immature people 
have a tendency, what we do know is that they don't grow up. So if you are feeling like you haven't even changed in the last five years, you may be struggling with this. So we're not talking about being perfect. We're talking about are you willing to address imperfections? See, more than that, are you actively working to improve on who you are as a person? The mature person says yes. The immature person says they're fine just the way they are, and apparently you don't like me, and so now you're a mean person, and it gets highly complicated. See, maturity implies growth, and growth implies change, and a lack of change implies immaturity. Now, I'm not talking about changing value systems, like I don't want to lie, I I want to manage my money well, Um, I have certain behaviors that I do that I think are healthy to do. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about are you able to adjust and change to the times that you live in so you can still participate in the times that you live within? So I hope that this has been helpful because the next half hour we are going to talk more about how you kind of do this. How do you really grow up? How do you really become a bona fide adult? And are you willing to do that? And I hope that I'm selling you on the idea of being an adult. Because an adult life is much simpler. Even though it may appear highly complicated, it's much more easy to deal with. It's like driving into a city that has no stoplights and no lane lines and all the people are going in whatever direction they want to go in. It's quite chaotic. So the adult world helps to make things less chaotic. It helps to make better choices because I'm better able to figure out what my value system is, which helps me make a better choice. And so I'm wanting to encourage you to recognize that being immature only increases your pain. If it, if it was a better way to live, I'd teach people how to do it. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about how to truly be an adult. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. I'm glad you're joining me today, and I hope your Sunday is well, and that this sets you up to have a really good week. And we are talking today about being a grown-up, about immaturity, and about recognizing whether or not you or someone in your life is a little kid in an adult body. And I have to tell you, People that are really, really little kids, immature, and they are living in adult bodies doing the things that adults do, are kind of uh, difficult and sometimes dangerous people. So we want to be really careful when we are recognizing who we're relating to and what's going on. And we also want to make sure that we do some self-introspection and say, you know, God, do I have some immaturity in me? And, And I will tell you that... It's tough in some ways to grow up in America. We have such a great place. Nobody really wants to grow up sometimes. They want to do grown-up things, and they want grown-up privileges. But the emotional realm of growing up is very difficult to get people to do. So when we think about relationships, 
that it happens in three, three kind of three ways. The first way is I do me. So I make sure that I'm working on me. I know me. I have a handle on me. And I have myself organized enough and managed enough that I don't have to think about myself that much. See, immature people think about themselves all the time. And they want you to think about them all the time as well. So when I do me and I do me well, which means I have, you know, the, the ways I do my life, I have my morals, I have a value system that I adhere to that guides me, directs me, right? So I have goals, I have vision, I have, I have the ability to manage time, which means I can wait. I don't have to have everything immediately. So I practice doing me. And I figure out who am I really? And while I'm doing me, I'm hoping that you are doing you. <clears throat> Excuse me, because if you do you and I do me, we have a pretty good us, is what happens. And if I do me and you do you, then when we want to have an us, it's going to be a lot easier. And so this is important that I do me, you do you, and then we do us. And much of what's going on in our culture today is we want to do us and hope that when we do us, you'll do me, and I don't have to do you, right? And then we'll have a really cool us, because it'll be all about me. And so this is where we have to be really careful about, hey, what's going on here? I've, t I've talked a lot about the me, myself, and I. How am I managing that triune? Because I need to understand me, myself, and I so that I manage me, I manage myself, and the I doesn't take over. Because that means I'm doing me well. And if I find somebody out there that's doing the same thing, that you're doing you and you're doing you well, then when we go to do us, it's not going to be that hard. And it won't require a ton of maintenance. So whose version are you? When you think about you doing you, whose version are you? Are you the version that God wants? Are you the version that your friends want? Are you the version that your parents wanted? Are you the version that you hope Hollywood wants? Who, who are you? So are you the world's version? Your parents, your church, your friends, your ideal? Do you think about who you should be? How would you like to be described? What would you like to be known for? I mean, who the heck are you, right? So these are very important questions. If you are considering wanting to have a permanent relationship with another human being. Because when you do your side well, and they do their side well, then the us works really well. So I want you to take time and think about this idea of me doing me. And how do I handle me? See, have I taken ownership of myself? Are you a good owner? Do you abandon yourself? Do you throw yourself under the bus? Do you reject yourself? Do you just do the basics of ownership? Make sure it's kind of maintained? So who owns you? Does the world own you? Does your lover own you? Do your parents own you? Does God own you? Who owns you? Because that's who's calling a lot of the shots. 
So if you own you, do you abuse you? Or do you only own yourself to sell yourself out to anybody who wants you so that you can get your needs and wants met? Do you shelve yourself? Do you bury yourself? Do you deny ownership of yourself? No, that's not me. Nope, that's not me. How about do you prostitute yourself, you know, and you end up being used up? So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about this idea of ownership being your best version, and who are you really? Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. This is our last segment, and we are talking about ownership. We are talking about you doing you. We are talking about what is maturity, and immaturity. And so this has so much to do with what's going on in our world right now. We have a lot of people that are highly immature, that are trying to get all of their needs met from the outside world, but the problem is they're not little kiddos anymore. And so that tells me that they weren't taught self-care, that they weren't taught to parent themselves, that they keep hoping that somebody out there is going to make their world work for them. And that is truly a tragedy. So we're talking about this idea of ownership. So if I do me, that means I own me. I'm owning what I do. I'm owning my talents, my abilities, my mistakes, my proclivities, my weaknesses, my strengths. I'm taking responsibility for it. I belong to me. Now, I'm a Christian, so I also belong to God. I'm married. I belong to my husband. I have a lot of friends. I belong to them. I have lots of clients, and in many ways, I belong to them as well. And so the primary ownership, though, is me. I have to really, truly own me and take responsibility for me. So do you own you and then maybe give yourself away? Do you own you and abandon you? Do you own you and blame the designer or the developer? Do you try to send yourself back? (laughs) I mean, I know that I've had these feelings before. Do you wish you were never created? Or at least consulted before the initial creation was finished. So think about this. This, this, When I was struggling with this, and I struggled really hard because I'm adopted, and so I'm nothing like my biological family. And I used to complain to God about why he placed me in this family that wasn't even like me. They didn't even get me or understand me or like the things that I thought were good things. They were trying to get me to do things that I didn't think were even comfortable or natural for me. Now, in retrospect, I see a lot of the wisdom that God had, and I'm thankful for it. But at the time, it was very painful. And so there's a verse that has been a memory verse, a life verse for me, and it's Romans 9.20. This is out of the New International Version. And this was actually a, a very kind of a conversation I had with the Lord because he had kind of, he was, he was kind of coming to the end of his rope with me. He was really not happy with my complaining about how he made me. And I was really unhappy with how he made me. And I thought he should have done it differently. And I told him all the ways I thought he should have done it differently. And I thought he should have given me to somebody else. And I mean, the list just went on. And finally, he spoke to me through his word and said, who are you? A human being to talk back to God. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? 
And it was quite a rebuke. And I kind of felt it physically. It was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, God is saying to me, who are you? Who do you think you are, Cynthia? Who do you think you are? You're lucky to be alive. I decided to create you, and you're now complaining to me about you. I decided to give you life and an opportunity to have life, and you're complaining to me. You're telling me I didn't do it right? I'm the creator. You're the created being. So I say to you, one of the first steps of growing up is simply acceptance. Accepting who you are. So that if you want to change things, you can. But you have to first accept before you can change. You don't change everything so that you can accept something. What you say to yourself is, I need to accept how I am made. These are things that are not changeable. And I am fighting to change things that are not changeable. Nor should they be. So I honor the creator and I really take responsibility and own the creation. He's actually the real owner, but he wants me to take ownership of me. And so he doesn't have to say to me anymore, who are you, Cynthia, to talk back to me? Who are you? Who do you think you are to talk back to me? So I want you to ask yourself, are you a good owner to yourself? Are you learning to value yourself by role modeling how God values you? Being a good owner of yourself really honors the creator and honors all the people that love you. See, feelings of self-worth and value are not necessarily found outside of ourselves. Those feelings of security, of self-worth, of confidence are not attained and integrated from outside ourselves. Now, if we get some of those outside of ourselves, it's like icing on the cake. But if you, as an adult, are trying to get all those needs met from outside of you, you're doing it backwards. See, you're supposed to already have the cake, and then you let people and the world frost it. Because it's easy to change the frosting, right? It's a lot harder to try to put ingredients in a baked cake. So those feelings of security and self-worth and confidence, if they weren't put into you when you were growing up, It's not like God didn't know that was happening because he already has a plan. What he wants you to do is own the fact that you may need those things. He's the one that can actually give them to you and help you attain them and keep them. So if if the behavior we experience from caregivers was not congruent with their words, then we're going to always believe behaviors and experience over any words, right? So we're wanting to look for that experience instead of saying, what is God telling me? What does God say about me? See, this performance-oriented behavior, if you've ever heard of that, what that means is that's an attempt to gain worth and value through our actions, our appearance, our intelligence, our talents, our friends, our family, and possessions. So it's all those things that are outside of me. I'm working super hard to make it happen. And it's exhausting because it never really works. It's always needing to be proved and reinforced. But when you're experiencing your own personal worth and value and it's not determined or created by any of that above, these things simply enhance the experience of you. So when I already know my worth and value has nothing to do really with my talents, intelligence, looks, money, achievements, that the worth and value truly is just because I'm a human being that then all those things that come with me, 
They're just like icing on the cake. So if I don't perform well one day, it doesn't change my worth or value. So we're trying to change the external environment so that people feel good about themselves. And we're trying to make things fair, which is impossible. So we're doing a grave disservice to these individuals because life will only get harder and more complicated and truly more unfair. What we're wanting and needing is to have adults that have a healthy, positive, safe internal world that makes for a better world all around. See, everywhere you go, there you are, right? So we are disrespecting grown adults by trying to redo and undo everything for them. We're giving them false hope and expectations that the world is better than their parents or better than their family. Well, maybe portions of it are. But we want their internal world to be the safest place they have. We want them to understand and feel eternal, internally different so they're better able to tolerate the complications of unfairness, the injustice and the complexities of the adult world. See, the greatest abuse of humans is keeping them little. The greatest abuse of a human being is to keep them young and little and immature because I'm placing them in an adult world then without skills to maneuver and prosper in an adult world. See, growing up is always the cure. It's always the cure. Instead of, because see, when, when I really grow up, I have a better idea and I'm wiser about what I actually can change so that I don't waste energy trying to change something I cannot change. I know the difference between the two. So when you think about ownership of you, David got it. He really got it. King David really got it. And he wrote this Psalms, and it's 139. It says, you've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit And you know when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. This knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, I settle on the far side of the sea. Even there, your hand guides me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness, Lord, will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, For darkness is as light to you. For you have created my inmost being. That's the most important part of this. God created your inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can you imagine being able to say that? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully means crazy, crazy wonderful. Okay? That's what fearfully and wonderfully made means. It's like out of this world. It's phenomenal. And this is what King David is saying. Your works are wonderful. I praise you because I made so wonderfully, so fearfully, so crazy good. He says, your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, 
What that means is in the process of that egg dividing in your mother's womb, he's understanding that the the end version of David was not hidden from him when he was beginning in his mother's womb. He says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So he's saying to God, man, you knew me before I was born. And then you knew every day that was going to happen before I walked about. And this is what God is telling us. He says, I know the plans I have for you. They're to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So today I want you to embrace the fact that you are a created being and you are created with love, regardless of the human condition that that pregnancy had, those elements were. That you were created for a reason, a purpose. That God knew you before he ever formed you. You were thought in his mind. You became a wondrous thing in his heart. And then he actually created you and made sure that you were born. And then he has a plan for you. And so you don't have to make all of it happen. I would recommend that you discover who the designer is and you will enjoy the design so much better. So I want you to really embrace that you are beautifully and wonderfully made, whether anybody else gets it or not. It's important for you to enjoy living in your own body, enjoying whatever plan God has given for you. It is specifically designed and made for you. Don't live someone else's plan. Don't try to look like somebody else, act like somebody else. Be you. Be you, your own best version of you, the only one God made. Thank you for joining me today. I'm so glad that you are listening. Have a blessed week. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from our website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be-